0: What's going on Dolphins fans Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins today is Monday February 20th 2023 and today on the show we are taking a big picture look at the rest of the AFC East before we kick off the 2023 NFL Combine which starts next week. You are Locked On Dolphins your daily Miami Dolphins podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. What's going on Dolphins fans, Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today is Monday, February 20th, 2023, and today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your football franchise, this game is definitely for you Download the game, visit ultimate-gm.com, or look it up on all of the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise using promo code LOCKEDON, in all caps, in the game. Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. This week is all about behind enemy lines here on the show. We've got storylines pertaining to the AFC East as a whole. Each of the teams the Dolphins are competing with, uh, how this landscape we are expecting it to change, how it already has changed. Uh, and, and that's kind of a fascinating deep dive that I'm, I'm looking forward to taking with the division because, of course, as is the case with all 32 teams across all eight divisions and all two conferences in one league, you your fastest ticket to making the postseason in any given year is having the winning formula in your division. Case in point, we've seen teams with losing records host home playoff games because of the playoff structure and winning your division. Now the Dolphins are chasing the Buffalo Bills, and and the Bills have strung together several AFC East Division titles in succession after 20 years of effectively the New England Patriots winning it every year. So uh, kind of an unenviable spot to be in to feel like you are coming out of the, the heels of, of what might be the longest reigning uh, dynasty, and I'll use air quotes, uh, in the history of the league for 20 years of succession with unparalleled success like the Patriots had, to now Buffalo. But well, Buffalo obviously is a team that the Dolphins feel should feel as though they've closed the gap on uh, from this past season to uh, the previous one before that with Brian Flores as the head coach of the team. And uh, they're hoping that additional personnel changes plus attrition for Buffalo themselves can further narrow this gap between these two teams in this standings when it's all said and done. So let's start with Buffalo. Uh, our objective today is to talk about the big picture storylines for all of the teams in the AFC East that the Dolphins are competing with. And when you think about the Buffalo Bills, I you know one of the big storylines that immediately came out was after the season, uh, Josh Allen expected to take a lot of time to rest. There was a lot of discussion around the the throwing elbow injury that he suffered around midseason, which at one point sounded like it might be season threatening as far as the the significance of of his UCL injury and his throwing elbow. Uh, that is the pit the the ligament that pitchers in baseball, uh, if they tear, they have to have the Tommy John surgery. And you know, for Josh, he, he missed. Some practice time he played. He obviously was not the same player after the injury immediately, and it felt like his play ramped back up at the end of the regular season and then you know kind of crumbled in the playoffs between the the Buffalo-Cincinnati loss that Buffalo incurred and, and obviously the Dolphins in the wildcard round in which Josh turned the ball over at a level that is not usually the standard for him playing the Dolphins. So uh, him getting rest is kind of – Uh, Front row center for the Buffalo Bills as far as their progression through uh, the offseason. They have Sean McDermott back. It sounds like Leslie Frazier will be back as the defensive coordinator of the team. Again, Ken Dorsey received some interest, but will be back. So from a coaching perspective, uh, last year going into this past season was the first time in probably five years that they had endured significant coaching staff changes. And they dodged the bullet uh, of having those injuries spring back up again for Buffalo. So I, I think the biggest storylines for Buffalo that aren't health-related with Von Miller, who they, they saw go out at the midway point of the season with the season-ending injury, and Josh Allen playing through an elbow injury that really negatively impacted him in stretches of time, uh, is personnel, uh, salary cap management, aging players, kind of determining what players are, are going to be back. And what players they're going to pay. Uh, this is kind of an unenviable situation that the Bills find themselves in. This was something that general manager Brandon Bean talked about when he talked about the roster construction of the Cincinnati Bengals as the team that knocked them out of the playoffs. Versus the Bills themselves and having a quarterback not on a rookie contract and how that changes things. And. So the the bills are are scheduled currently to be negative 19 million dollars in cap space. It's really an inconsequential number in the grand scheme of things because they can restructure Josh Allen's contract um, and, and manufacture some significant money. But if you look at the players that are scheduled to be free agents for the Buffalo Bills, this is kind of where the Bills should probably feel their attention needs to be most direct. Uh, the Bills. Have Jordan Poyer, Roger Saffold, Jordan Phillips, Tremaine Edmonds, all as starters on this team that are scheduled to be expiring free agents. Uh, and that does not even get into some of your quality depth players uh, like a Dane Jackson at cornerback, although you would think that, you know, with them investing in, uh, Kyrie Elam out of the first round that they they probably feel good about that opportunity uh, to to continue to have depth there. And guys like Shaq Lawson, uh, Devin Singletary, another starter, starting running back, scheduled to hit free agency. Is James Cook the guy they're going to hitch their wagon to full-time? That's not an easy answer to have. uh, But for the Bills to have Jordan Poyer, Roger Saffold, Tremaine Edmonds, Devin Singletary as expiring contracts – and a number of those guys being on the wrong side of 30, uh, it does kind of invoke some questions when you consider what made what has made the Bills' defense so impactful and so great was those middle-of-the-field back-seven defenders with, between Tremaine Edmonds, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, who missed the entire season and is another player that they're going to need to get healthy. Um, and then Matt Milano at linebacker, those four guys really – is the special DNA of that Bill's defense in a lot of ways aside of the coaching, which does a a phenomenal job with the group that they have. So, um, some potential significant turnover in that group for the bills. How do you want to structure those contracts? Are division rivals going to poach any of those players from you? I don't think that the dolphins would be in contention for Devin Singletary per se, but, um, Tremaine Edmonds would be an interesting conversation to have. And and certainly Jordan Poyer's been tied to the Dolphins on a number of occasions this all in the build up to this offseason already, as a, a player that might end up uh making a play here in Miami. So that's it for Buffalo, as I think that they're they're a team that needs to transition with their winning window. And that goes beyond well, Josh Allen and needing more weapons and needing better protection and uh, the offensive line and its performance, um, the right side of that offensive line has not really gelled for the Bills. Uh, they have an aging center. Their starting left guard is now an expiring contract. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, a lot of their critical players, the, the Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyers and uh, the Von Millers, you know, they're, they're all mature players. So the Bills are a team that I think probably needs to be attentive to transition. Uh, and how they do that in a year in which they they are not optimized to spend uh, is the major storyline that we should be aware of for the Buffalo Bills. All of this team-building strategy, if you enjoy this kind of talk, i got good news for you. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football Geome. Uh, it is the mobile game that I personally can't put down. Uh, I just started the new franchise within the locked-on uh family that, that we have that's set up that you can now be a part of as well. Here's the deal. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL general manager and managing your own franchise, your dream can come true because this game lets you do it. You manage every strategic aspect of your football team, play through seasons, lead your team to glory, trying to build a dynasty by hiring the right coaches and coordinators, trading players, navigating your franchise through free agency, the salary cap, the draft, ups and downs of a season, player discipline, all that stuff. We have a locked on league for you to compete against locked on fans all over the world. Can you be the ultimate locked on football GM champ? Choose locked on league in the app to join and create your own football dynasty. Listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when joining using promo code locked on in all caps in the game store. So download the game, visit ultimate gm.com or look it up in app stores that is ultimate gm.com. Start your dynasty today. So let's let's talk about the New England Patriots. Uh, the New England Patriots are coming off of a losing season, uh, their second losing season in the last three years. They are another team that has a lot of mature players on it. But the number one storyline for the New England Patriots uh, this offseason is has been the aftermath of the science experiment that Bill Belichick wanted to try to play as far as concocting, constructing, and, and organizing an offense. Uh, because the Boston Herald put out a story at the end of the season that went just how far into how much of a you-know-what show it was in New England offensively. Coaches, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge trying to climb over each other, Game of Thrones style, to like be the man. And... Neither one of them having relevant offensive coaching experience at the NFL level and trying to supplant everything the Patriots did with Josh McDaniels with a Kyle Shanahan based system and it being a total disaster in training camp and then them having to cut the playbook in half and uh, eventually getting to the point where Mac Jones is going to other coaches outside of the New England system, and this is according to the the Boston Herald, and asking them for help. And that we're getting back to Bill Belichick, and then there you remember all the drama with this Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones, and oh, if this sounds familiar, it should, because Bill Belichick watched Brian Flores instill co-offensive coordinators in the AFC East in 2021, saw how much of a disaster it was, and said, "You know what? I want to have that, but I want to do it with guys who've never coached offense before." It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. And yet the DNA of the Patriots team is we're going to possess the ball. We're not going to beat ourselves. We're going to play smart. We're going to play discipline. And we're going to be in the one possession games late in the fourth quarter. Or if you do beat yourself, you know, we'll boat race you because you'll give us short fields and we can run the ball. And that's exactly where they were. They still managed to win a respectable amount of games. But... The New England Patriots, now it's since come out from Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated that the Patriots may not even feel there's a significant gap between the first round pick they spent on Mac Jones two years ago and the fourth round pick they invested in Bailey Zappi. It kind of raised the question, could Mac Jones get traded this offseason? And right now, everything's kind of galaxy brain because it's the dead period between the end of the Super Bowl and the beginning of the NFL Combine and Start of the the league calendar year is less than a month away now. It's only a couple weeks away. So like everybody's asking these crazy questions because if the answer ends up being yes, and somebody feels compelled to do it, but you're not going to know if you don't ask, right? So you'll hear all these reports of teams calling about this player and that player. And a lot of that has to do with just doing due diligence. And for every one, yes, there's probably nine no's, but it is, little interesting that Mac Jones, the NFL 100, top 100 player after his rookie season, Mac Jones, um, suddenly there's there's a little bit of a divide, just not a significant divide between him and and a fourth-round pick from Western Kentucky uh, in Bailey Zappi, who started a handful of games. And I believe, if I remember correctly, the two largest offensive point totals for the Patriots last season came with Bailey Zappi, a quarterback. So that's the storyline that the Patriots are dealing with. Dolphins fans, we we can at least enjoy not being mired uh, in a quarterback battle or, or quarterback hearsay here and now. There's plenty of Dolphins fans I know that are avid supporters of Tua. There's Dolphins fans that I know that are lukewarm on Tua. There's Dolphins fans that I know that are uh, undecided on Tua. They'd like to have more information. At least we know it's Tua as compared to some of the other teams, like the New York Jets, who are waiting for Aaron Rodgers to come back from his um, mystery darkness retreat to, to figure out if he's going to continue playing football before they pursue on a full core press on them and more on them in just a minute. Uh, but the Patriots. Uh, suddenly now find themselves in and they've made themselves a little bit of a mess. And and Mac Jones has apparently not ingratiated himself to bill Belichick with some of the things that were handled uh, away from the field this past offseason. So, or this past season. So here's what I can tell you about the new England Patriots from a a spending perspective. Uh, They're scheduled for about $40 million in cap space right now. Now they do have some meaningful players that are expiring contracts. I wouldn't count Nelson Aguilar. Big surprise that ended up being a bad contract uh, as a significant expiring contract. But Devin McCourty, uh, free safety, is 35 years old. He'll be 36 by the start of next season. That's a meaningful player for them. Cornerback Jonathan Jones. Wide receiver Jacoby Myers. Offensive tackle Isaiah Wynn. Safety Jabril Peppers. Linebacker Raquan McMillan. Running back Damian Harris, like these are some meaningful guys. Now they they've drafted some some players in the well. Like they have six safeties that they can play. So I would expect that that Devin McCourty will probably be let walk. Um, Isaiah Wynn. They also have Yadni Kajust, who's an expiring contract as well. Uh, so you don't get the warm and fuzzies about offensive tackle. I would expect that's going to be an early draft selection for them if they don't nail down a big free agent signing. Marcus Cannon's is also an expiring contract. Right? Damian Harris, they have Ramondre Stevenson lined up behind him, and, and they've already drafted two running backs in last year's draft to kind of be ready to go to step into that void as well. Uh, so they they have some in the pipeline. The challenge for the Patriots – is the Patriots really don't, when when I assess the Patriots roster, they don't have a lot of math changers. And math changers are, and this this was something that the Dolphins under Brian Flores going back to like 2020, uh, I think would be very relevant. Uh, They don't have a lot of players who can individually change the dynamics of the flow of a game or how a game is called or how a game is coached because they don't have... Somebody who physically speaking can break the rules. So the Dolphins, you think about Tyree Kill for the Bills. You think about Josh Allen. I would qualify Tremaine Edmonds for his range, length, and athleticism on the second level of the defense to, to be a math-changing component as well for the Bills. Allows them to play a lot of too high. Um, I mean, even for the New York Jets, I think you think about that defense and Sauce Gardner. He's a math changer. Who's the math changer on the New England Patriots? Genuine question. If you, if you had to identify a single blue chip elite NFL starter on their roster, can you find one? That's the challenge for the Patriots. Are they going to try to find that in the passing game to re-unlock now that they've went out and hired Bill O'Brien to be your offensive coordinator? I don't know. But that that's the challenge for the Patriots. The Patriots will have money to spend. They will have money to, and they they have draft picks. So if they want to go out and trade for a DeAndre Hopkins, they can. But what is DeAndre Hopkins at this stage in his career? You don't know. So for the Bills, it's transitioning while in your winning window that I think they're, they're having to do for the first time. For the Patriots, it's finding math changers to evolve your offense to the next level while also having very scheme-dependent, scheme-specific, and non-needle movers as far as you unique physical talents at the quarterback position. That's that's the, the, the place that I interpret the New England Patriots to be. Now, whether or not that's how it actually plays out, of course, that's why the offseason has to happen, but that's my two cents on the New England Patriots. We're going to talk about the New York Jets. Next, here on the show. That was not a cold one. It was an energy drink. For anybody concerned at home, I know there's a few concerned YouTube listeners when we partake in Victory Mondays. So let's talk about the New York Jets. The New York Jets have a different, uh, prominent storyline. We've got a young roster. They just got done knocking their their drafts out of the park. Uh, their twenty twenty two draft was the version the uh, the Dolphins version of the twenty twenty one draft. There, I don't think the redemption's coming for Zach Wilson. Going to be completely honest, I think with his dead cap, he'll probably be on the roster. But the dynamic for the New York Jets desperation at the quarterback position kind of incoherency with their coaching hires. We'll talk about their offensive coaching staff. And a must-win window based on how the the early portions of the Jets' last season went. So we won't get too much into... The salary cap for the Jets because here's what you need to know. They're, they're about break even. They can clear up a lot of room by getting rid of some dead weight with the CJ Mosleys of the world and the Carl Lawsons of the world and the Corey Davises of the world. They'll, they'll get some cap space and they'll be fine. Right. But that's not what's really important when you dial in the New York Jets and their dynamics. New York Jets I want to read some numbers to you seven, four, two, seven, four. Five, five. Going back to 2016, those are the wins the Jets have had in each of their last seasons. You put the shoe on the other foot, 10, 13, 14, 9, 12, 11, 11. So since 2016, they've had six double-digit losing seasons in seven years. They have been no higher than 25th in yards offensively, in any of those years and no higher than 23rd in scoring offense in any of those years as well. Now they were fourth in points and yards defensively last year after being 32nd the previous year. They allowed 316 points after allowing five hundred four the previous year major strides on that side of the ball, but Robert Sala is going into his third season and went four and 13 and then seven and 10 and the seven and 10, was a year in which they lost their final six football games. Their final six. And the points that they scored across the final three games, they didn't score a touchdown in the final three games of the season. They scored 15 combined points in three games. Yikes. So the Jets, you're going to have to figure that out. Right? You, You can't. Score not score three hundred points in a season, which is exactly what the Jets did across seventeen games. Seventeen point four points per game while allowing eighteen point six. I tell you, if the Dolphins allowed eighteen point six with their offense, they probably won the division and probably would have gone to the conference championship game in the minimum. But they didn't. It is what it is. But for the Jets, uh, what what they have now started to do. As they have kind of created this nonsensical smorgasbord of offensive coaches with their assistant coaching hires, they fired Michael Fleur, who was immediately hired by Sean McVay to be the offensive coordinator out in Los Angeles for the Rams. The Jets needed somebody to blame. Well, the GM and the coach were culpable in picking Zach Wilson, who's been an emphatic dumpster fire of a disaster. They ain't going to take it on the nose, so somebody had to. So unfortunately for Mike LaFleur, Mike LaFleur became the guy who took the fall. He immediately got an upgraded job and is going to go work with Sean McVay and the Rams. Good for Mike LaFleur. But what the Jets have started to do since is they have started to hire these coaches that have worked with other quarterbacks across the league. And it... You, you can kind of see the writing on the wall that they're trying to bridge themselves with a veteran quarterback because they know the GM and the coach know we're in a win now window. We have to have a winning season. We have to make the playoffs. So Nathaniel Hackett, who was one and done as the head coach of the Denver Broncos and was an emphatic disaster of his own gets hired to be the new offensive coordinator of the New York Jets. Why? Because before Nathaniel Hackett went to Denver, he was in green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. And there's a lot of people who thought that the Packers or the Broncos hired Hackett with the expectation that he would play or he, they, they would go get Aaron Rodgers last offseason. And when that fell through the cracks, then they went and got Russell Wilson because they knew they, they had to go get a, a big quarterback and try and make it work. That's what the Jets have set themselves up for now. They're now the team that has hired Nathaniel Hackett, hoping and thinking that they can full-court press their way into Aaron Rodgers. If they get him, okay. We'll worry about that if it happens. But there's a chance Aaron Rodgers decides he doesn't want to play for the New York Jets. And when you are owed as much money as Aaron Rodgers is, and you are as old and into your late stage of your career as Aaron Rodgers is, he does have leverage, even if he doesn't have the Derek Carr no-trade clause. Because he can always say, you know what? Never mind, I don't want to play. I'll go hang it up. So he'll have some influence and some say on where he goes. We'll see if he wants to go to New York, assuming he wants to continue playing at all. We'll find out. Uh, the Jets are kicking the tires on Derek Carr. Derek Carr. They've been linked to any other number of veteran quarterbacks as well, including Lamar Jackson. Now, I I think Nathaniel Hackett probably eliminates that from being a possibility. The other name to to be noteful of here, uh, they they hired Todd Downing to be the passing game coordinator. Todd Downing was the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator previously, was arrested after a a win against the Packers last year uh, for a DUI, coming home from the game, and, and was relieved of his duties. Um, during 2022, so Todd Downing and the Titans connected to Ryan Tannehill The Titans are, are rumored to be looking to go in a different direction with Tannehill in the late stages of his career as well. So the Jets have kind of built themselves all these on ramps to all these veteran quarterbacks to have somebody that's familiar with, to help them work with him. Is that going to work? I don't know. I know they need to rebuild their offensive line. Uh, Makai Becton has not materialized for them. George Fance is an expiring contract. They have Dwayne Brown, who's about 40 years old, penciled in at one of their tackle spots now. And uh, they're going to get Brees Hall back healthy, although it sounds like that injury was pretty significant. So it's hard to say if he's going to be ready to go for the start of the season or not. Um, But then you have Garrett Wilson, you have Elijah Moore, potentially if he's not part of the trade package for whatever quarterback that they go out and make a splash for uh and, and then you're banking on the defense being what the defense was again next year and the sustainability of that uh, which is of course up for debate we'll find out but that's uh that that's the big picture storylines for each of the three teams that the dolphins are competing with if I were to quantify the big picture storyline for the dolphins it would probably be two a tongue of lowest health And the evolution of the defense with Vic Fangio. That's just boiling it down as simplistic as I possibly can. For the Bills, it's having to transition with a quarterback making mega dollars. For the Patriots, it's finding game-changing players, like true elite game-changing players, and not just, oh, we're going to play good team defense and run the ball. Uh, For the Jets, it's finding a quarterback and coaches on the hot seat. And the Dolphins, it's the health of your quarterback and the evolution of your defense. So those are your 30,000-foot view topics for the 2023 offseason. At the start for the AFC East, we are behind enemy lines all week long, so make sure you come on back, hit subscribe, see us again tomorrow. We got great content coming this week. Appreciate you guys checking out the show. Fins up. Make it a great rest of your Monday. I'll talk with you all again tomorrow.